And I am excited to get into our new series. We're starting a brand new series today. And man, you know what? I just felt like it's time to just be uplifting and encouraging. We try to be that all the time. But I just, you know, we, we just came through a great series called uh, The Greatest Comeback. And we just talked about all the ways that God takes our setbacks and sets us up for a comeback. Man, it was a great series. Uh, and, and we really believe it touched a lot of lives. A lot of people got saved through that series. But I'm believing the same thing's going to happen for this one. I believe that God's going to speak something great to your life through this series and so today we're going to we're going to start that and the series is called loving life you know what I, I believe that we can love life i believe god gave us life the bible says god gave us life to enjoy and we want to enjoy life we don't have to be down all the time or defeated all the time or discouraged all the time and i know in our world today there's plenty of things to be discouraged about but i want to encourage you with two things number one this is not the only time in history that it's been discouraging in life <laughs> there's been many times throughout history where things were hard things were difficult and if you're experiencing that today i just want you to know lift up your eyes see above the horizon get your sights on jesus and let him uh, be the answer to your problems let him be the solution to your issues because i'm telling you that's what he'll be and you can love life and not be defeated by it so today we're going to get right into this series and I want you to join us if you will. Uh, we're going to take our text in First uh, Peter chapter 3 verse 8 through 12 and uh, this passage of scripture is very significant and I think it's going to help us today. And so today we're going to talk about um, really uh, seven ways to create a love for life. So we're going to kind of give you a foundation for it. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Seven ways to create a love for life. Let's read our text together. First Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. Everybody read together. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Lord, we pray a blessing on this word. We pray, God, that you will use this, get it deep down in our spirit. And Lord, I just pray that everybody who's a part of church online today, I pray, God, literally, that you will just lift their spirits, that you'll bring encouragement to their life, that you'll strengthen them, help them to gain a love for life and enjoy every moment, no matter the hardships or difficulties, God. We pray that you will be with them and that, God, their life will be lifted and encouraged and built up in this time and that lord you'll minister to them in significant ways lord we praise you we pray that you take this seed uh, of your word and plant it deep in the soil of our hearts and cause it to produce fruit that changes our life but changes every life around us in jesus name we pray amen amen man god is good he is so good you know loving life doesn't necessarily look like we think it would you know, we think of loving life in a Western world, uh, many times we think of having everything we want. That's what love, loving life is to a lot of people. You know, we, 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 we want everything we want, but we don't want the problems that may go with it. And, and we want to be able to do whatever we want. 
And every commercial we see looks like people who are free of worry and free of care. But we forget that we're, we're, we're being sold something. And, 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 and so they're trying to associate those feelings of freedom and, and, and care, carefree life and just everything is fine to us. They're associating their product with those feelings to get us to buy that product. But you know what I found to be true? I found to be true that, that, that when we as humans, as carnal as we are, we chase after the things that we want in life and we don't want anybody telling us what to do and we want to do whatever we want and we just go for that what we find is emptiness we find that we didn't know what really fulfills and we don't know what really satisfies and and that's why so many people will search after it and then can't find it and so they search for more and they search for more and they search for more and it can come in all kinds of different ways and we think that's what loving life is having everything you want doing anything you want what we find is if you live that life out to its logical conclusion what you end up finding is that all of those things become the chains around your neck and the chains around your hands and feet and bind your life whether it's overextending yourself financially or whether it's getting involved in substance use and abuse whether it's you know uh not understanding what the 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 word of of being moderate means just going to the edges in every aspect of our life whether it's our time or our 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 family or our finances or our 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 future endeavors and we just we just let all of the things and the stuff of life just overcome us and overwhelm us and and we're being told to do that we're being pulled into that by all of this stuff we see in social media and stuff we see in in everybody else's life you know that old phrase keeping up with the joneses like so much of the time we look at people around us and we say well i want to do what they're doing or i want to be like they're being or uh, if my family was like their family and you know the truth is i heard somebody say this the other day we kind of get this mentality of the grass is always greener on the other side but the grass is always greener where you water it and sometimes we we want to go somewhere else or get something else or grab a hold of something else and that's going to make me happy because the grass is really green over there no get the water holes out do the work of cultivating the soil in your own life and start watering that grass and watch it produce right in your own life that's what we find to be true god wants you to love life I know there's this mentality in a lot of people that if you serve God or worship God or you have a relationship with God, that that is all about losing your fun. And you're not going to be excited anymore. You're not going to have any fun anymore. You're not having any adventure in your life because that's what God wants to do. He just wants to steal all your fun. And I can't tell you how far from the truth that is. When I really gave my life to Jesus, I'm telling you, that's when the adventure began. I'm telling you a faith adventure that I will, I, I, I would never turn back. I would never go back to not living for Jesus simply because I'm telling you, he has changed my life so drastically, done so much in my life that I, I'm living a faith adventure and it, it is so much fun and it's so exciting. Well, does it have problems? Well, of course it has problems. We live in a fallen world and there are difficulties and there are circumstances, but we don't have to be affected by those to the degree of losing our faith and losing our confidence and losing our joy or our happiness. And, and, and you know what? Just because there's imagery out there trying to make us feel like this is what joy really is. Come on, this is what joy really is. Always remember it's backed by a need for you to buy something or you to be a part of something or you to attach yourself to something because that's what everybody's doing. But you know what? God didn't call us to be like everybody else. God called us to be like he designed us to be. You know, we may think loving life looks like 
having all the money we want without any stress. We may think it looks like uh, uh, to have all that we want without worry or fear. We may think loving life looks like perfect relationships. But, but, but we know life comes with difficulties. Life comes with problems. The Bible even tells us in the, in the book, end of the book of John, it says, it says that in this world you will have tribulations. But, but, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. See, you can love life regardless of life. Even when life is hard, you can love it. Well, we have difficulties in life, Pastor. I mean, people die in life. We have loss in life. We have grief in life. Sure you do. Sure you do. But you know what? Every time you get up in the morning, you can still love the life you have regardless of the circumstances in it. Because you know what? This isn't all there is. We need to get that perspective again and understand it again. The, the 70, 80, 90 years that we have on this planet, this isn't all there is. And so we want to, we, we need to get this mindset in our heart that life is too short and eternity is too long not to live it full on. And, and you need to understand that. We need to understand that today. Usually when we, we, we uh, heard someone say, they just love life. We picture some of all of the above that I've just been talking about. Man, they love life and you see the parties and you see the money and you see the freedom. And look, there's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's nothing wrong with being blessed. But, but, but that doesn't give you life. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, uh, sometimes we think loving life, we have to have things to love life. But I, I can tell you this, loving life has no type. Well, this type of person really loves life. And this personality really loves life. And if you have this amount of money, you love life. And if you live in this neighborhood, you love life. And if you're in this part of the world, you love life. I, if I could just have that, I would love life. It, the, loving life has no type. I'm going to tell you, I've been all over the world. I've been Africa and Asia and Europe and all over America. And I'm just telling you, in South, in South and Central America, I'm just telling you, that there are people, I've seen people in the difficult, the most difficult of circumstances. I've seen people who you can't even describe the difficulty of their circumstances, but still they have joy in their heart and peace in their heart and they love life. And their life is hard, harder than you've ever experienced or I've ever experienced in most cases. But they still have joy in their heart. Do they go through grief? Yes. Do they go through pain? Yes. But they still have joy. They love life. Man, what I found to be true about loving life is it's a perception that loving life is all about selfishness. You know, if I can get what I want, just like we talked about just a moment ago, if I could get what I want, if I could make life be easy for myself, then that's, I could love life in that situation. You know what the truth is? That's not how this works at all. And I'm gonna tell you, some of the most miserable people I know are people who live that way. They're miserable because they think the next thing's gonna make me happy. If I can get the circumstances under control like this, that's gonna make me happy. If I could be around this group, of, that's gonna make me happy. And what they find is they go from place to place to place and it doesn't make them happy happy it doesn't fix the void it doesn't heal the hurt it doesn't help the pain and, and what we have to learn is there's only one way really for us to get to that place and that is find our purpose our destiny in Christ and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning those seven ways to create a love for life you know right now in our world there are people who have vested interest in misery 
<laughs> I'm telling you, your mama told you when you were a kid, at least my mama told me, misery loves company. You've heard that colloquialism. Misery loves company. And I could not tell you anything that is more true than that. People who are miserable love to surround themselves with miserable people. And I don't know how it happens, but miserable people can find other miserable people. It's like misery is a magnet and it just sucks everybody that's miserable together. It's ridiculous. And I think the reason is, is because we want to feel sorry for each other. or We want somebody who understands or gets it or, and we just want to kind of, kind of, uh, mill over all of the misery that we have. But, but, but you know what? Um, we need to get ourselves in a place where our relationships are building us and strengthening us. We, we need to reach out to people who may be living through misery in life, and we need to love people who may be living through misery in life, but we don't need to surround ourselves with people who love misery. We need to surround ourselves with people who love God and love people and love life and want to lift and want to encourage. Listen, there's nothing wrong with being positive. I, I, I know we, we, we don't have to always be in denial that problems are happening, but you can go ahead and be encouraged. Man, this series is going to help you so much. I'm just thinking of some of the things in the next messages. I'm just telling you, it's an amazing thing what God can do if we make a choice to love life. There, you know, there are people that are miserable and they want everybody else to be miserable. However, we can choose if we want to love life or if we want to hate it. It's a choice. We can choose whether or not we want to enjoy our family or be irritated with them. Uh, we can choose whether we want to be bitter and divisive or happy and harmonious. We can choose. It's literally up to us. And you know what I'm choosing? I'm choosing to love life. Well, Pastor, look at all that we've gone through the last few years, the last couple of year and a half or whatever. Look at what's happening in our nation right now. You know what? That doesn't change that I love the life that God has given me. Yeah, I don't like some of the problems. I don't like some of the difficulties, but I'm going to tell you something. I love the life God has given me, and I'm going to live the life that God has given me with that love, with that passion, so that I can affect profoundly the lives of other people who need me to live that life of love. Amen? It should work this way. They asked Jesus, they said, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus responded with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And here's the way that should work. If we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we love our neighbor as ourself, can I tell you that should result in us loving the life that God has given us? It should, it should result in us walking around with passion, walking around with excitement, walking around with enthusiasm. I mean, do you know what the word enthusiasm means? It's in theos. It means in God. We should be so full of God. We should be so into God that our life is filled with that passion, that love for life. Now, when you get up in the morning, I just want to encourage you. Don't think immediately about all the things that are hard that day that you have to do. Don't think about, oh, it's, it's Monday. No, you know what? Think about this is motivational Monday or th this is movement Monday or this, this is, this is uh, whatever. Give it a name, but get up and think about God. Take a moment and get the Bible out and read the word and get into prayer with God and let God establish the foundation for your day and just decide today I'm going to love life. But what if I'm going through something hard, Pastor? What if I'm at, in that very moment going through something hard? I'm, I'm just going to tell you, just love life. Make the choice to love. See, joy is a deep abiding peace. It's given by God and it assures us that he is the all in all to us. 
your answers are not going to come from circumstances. Your answers are not going to come from other people. Your answers are not going to come from certain things. Your answers are going to come from God. He is your solution. He is everything. He is all in all. He is the all-sufficient, self-sufficient, self-existing God, Jehovah God. He doesn't need anything to exist. He doesn't need any help. He doesn't need anybody to come along, give him a little boost. No, God is God. He absolutely stands on his own, and he loves you. He loves you. And if that's the truth, come on, you need to grab a hold of that and understand that joy, having true joy, isn't based on your circumstances. It's based on the assurance that God is my all in all, and he's going to cover every situation in my life if I will just turn to him. Happiness is an emotion, and, and, and we can literally choose happiness if we want. I can be down in the dumps, or I can choose to be happy. I can be upset and stirred all the time, stirred up and angry and frustrated, or I can choose joy. I choose to love life. Come on, say that with me today, right there, wherever you are, church online. Come on, say it with me right now. I choose to love life. Come on, I choose to love life. I say it as a choice, but I want to be clear. It's a little more complex than that. You know, loving life doesn't just happen because we choose, all right, today I'm going to love life. I'm going to will myself into loving. None of my circumstances are good. None of my circumstances are great, but I believe I can will myself into loving life. So I'm going to love really hard today. I'm going I'm to make myself love this day. It doesn't work like that. It would be great if it was that simple to just say, that's the choice I'm going to make. But here's what has to happen. We learn to love life by creating an atmosphere in our lives that lends itself to that choice. See, I live this way, uh, 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 which creates in me a love for life. See, I, I, I create an atmosphere. I create a culture, if you will, around myself that lends my life to loving life instead of hating life, to caring about life instead of being embittered towards life. You know, God gave you life to enjoy. The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, but uh, kill and destroy. But I, Jesus speaking of himself, I have come to give you life and life more abundant. That translation literally means abundant. It means superior in quality and super abundant in quantity. God wants to bless your life. In other words, he wants to give you that Zoe kind of life, that really vibrant, thriving life. It is not God's desire that you survive. He didn't put you on this planet just merely to survive. He put you on this planet to thrive. And because of the thriving, the flourishing in your life, God does not want you to languish. God wants you to flourish. Even in the middle of hard circumstances, he can bring you out to flourish. God can take the very difficult circumstances that you may be in right now and mold them and make them into your life flourishing. I mean, it's, a, it's like a magic trick if you want to think of it that way. I mean, the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. Come on, he can bring that nasty thing and that hard thing and that good thing and that bad thing and that difficult thing and that wonderful thing, put it all together and cause your life to flourish. See, I, 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 I want you to understand we can create that. So I'm, I'm going to teach you right now seven ways to create that atmosphere to, that will cu cultivate a love for life in your life. So here's the first thing. We're going to take that scripture. I'm going to read that text again, and then we're going to break it down. And when we break it down, I'm going to give you those seven ways real quickly here. 
First Peter chapter three, verse eight through 12, it says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing for whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against all who do evil. So number one, be like-minded with other followers of Christ. Be like-minded with other followers of Christ. The theological issue here is unity. The concept is unity. In other words, unity is not being the same as everyone else. It's being, it's being unified around the vision, the cause, the purpose of God. That, that's what it is. It's not uniformity, but it's complementary oneness. In other words, we're together on this. Our life is so much lighter and much more free when we live in harmony and unity with our spiritual community. Listen, I want to talk to you. Your spiritual community is the church that you belong to. It's the local church. I know that in our world today, we've gotten so distracted and gotten so involved in so many other things outside the church that in some ways we have created community outside the church. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be in community in those areas and those things, but your main community should be with fellow believers who have strength and who have faith, who are going to lift you and encourage you and you can be reaching out to your extended community but your your real community is the spiritual community that God has given you that you that your spiritual family your church family that you come together with to worship God you, you know we we don't we, we we need to find that place where our life is more light and free because we're in unity with others who believe in the word of God. We, we don't live stirred up all the time when we have that community. We, we, always, we don't live always wanting our way, always having an agenda. Being like-minded by setting our faith on the word of God is, is what we want, what we want to try to achieve. And if, and if we all come into agreement, uh, what, what will happen is, is Jesus said we'll bring harmony and peace and blessing over our life. Can, can I tell you, it amazes me that this is an opportunity for the church like no other because we live in a very divisive time. Well, well the church could stand up as a harmonious and unified uh, body of Christ and say, look, we're going to lead to unity. We're going to lead to love. We're not going to let hate be the, 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 the word of the day. We're, we're going to let love be that. And, and, you know, it's amazing to me how we still find reasons to fight with one another. We still find reasons to be at odds with one another another and, 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 and you know we we look at the labels on our door and well we uh, we can't get along and we can't come I'm so thankful we live in Canyon Texas that where we come together as the body of Christ to make a difference in our world it's exciting when that happens you know uh, we've got to come and approach our relationship with the body of Christ and with the church in a way that says I surrender to the purpose and destiny of God I, I, I remember a lady a few years ago she she uh, she she it's been many years ago and she, it's i'm just saying a lady because it was a lady there's men that i've experienced like this too but a lot of times we come to the church with our own agenda and instead of coming to find agreement instead of kind of coming to find uh, uh, uh what the word of god says about how the church should operate instead of coming together to find what the vision god has for that church we try to come into that body and instead of trying to find agreement we try to put forward our agenda that's exactly what she did. Truth, 
Uh, she was just trying to live out her desires for meaning by trying to make the church fit her narrative. And instead of finding agreement with the word of God and the vision of the church, she was never satisfied. She'd say to me, she'd say, Pastor, if you would just do this, or if you would just let me do that, the church would be so much better. Instead of aligning with the word or the vision of the house, uh, she, she would constantly put forward her thing and draw attention to herself and want everybody to know her and be connected to whatever spiritual gift she thought she had. And it created all kinds of division. It created all kinds of problems. I'm not saying don't be yourself. I'm not saying don't bring your gifts to the table. I'm saying when we come together, we got to find that agreement, that place of unity, that place of harmony, and just operate there. And what it does is it takes all the drama and the stress and the pain out of your life. And when you need somebody, man, you've got somebody, your, your spiritual community to be right there with you. Number two, number two, be sympathetic. You know, we're struggling with this in, in classrooms all over the place. We're having to teach kids how to have empathy, how to, how to have and share the feelings that others have. You know, the Bible says it this way. The Bible says that uh, we should weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. In other words, be sympathetic. Share the feelings of others. Listen, we, we need to care. It just comes down to that. I mean, really, it, we just need to care. We can take Jesus, you know, um, Jesus' posture on this. We, we all know that famous verse, and we can all quote it. John chapter 11, verse 32. It's such a difficult verse. Jesus wept. <laughs> and, and I tell you what, listen, it's a significant thing that he wept. He knew that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew it. Lazarus had been in the grave for four days and Jesus was standing in front of his tomb and he knew what he was about to do. He had just told Martha, I'm the resurrection and the life. And he that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He knew what he was about to do. Yet he looked around at all the people who were crying. He looked around at the mourners. The Bible says this very specifically. And then he wept. You know, sometimes we get in situations and we don't need to try to make our point. We don't treat, need to try to fix people's problems. Sometimes we just need to feel what they're feeling. Sometimes we just need to understand where they're coming from. You know, this is how you learn to love life. When you learn to, instead of being conflicted with people all the time, you learn to love people right where they're at without judgment and assumption and all that. You just learn to love them. Man, these people are sad. And, it, and, and, and they were so sad, Jesus felt the feelings they were feeling and he became sad with them with the knowledge that he was about to raise Lazarus from the dead. It didn't change the facts, but he still felt their feelings. I think it's a powerful thing that we can learn. And I think if we learn to feel the feelings of others, if we learn to be sympathetic, it helps us to create that atmosphere where we will learn to love life, love life. Number three, let me just stop for a minute. I want to say this because I want you to understand when we learn to be sympathetic towards others, we're not always mad at others. And, and we live in such a world today that everybody's opinion is being put out there and we get so aggravated with people, other people's opinions as if they don't have a right to have one. And we get, uh, let ourselves get stirred up and, we, and we, we let ourselves get mad and angry. And we never stop to think for a minute, where are they coming from? Why do they feel that way? What's going on in their heart? And we need, to, we need to get this understanding of sympathy because when you get that, then instead of being mad and angry all the time, you're more understanding, which causes you to love life. The third thing is love one another. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Bible says that literally the reason people will know we are disciples of Jesus Christ is not because we can do miracles, not because we can preach well, not because we can sing good, not because we get together in buildings. It's because we love one another. That's how the world, people who don't know Christ, will look on people who do know Christ and say, man, they really are followers of Christ because they love each other. In other words, they lay their life down for each other. They have created habits in their life of personal sacrifice. I mean, there is such freedom in the surrender that I'm not going to struggle with willingness. I'm just not going to struggle with it. The answer is yes. If someone needs me, the answer is yes. Now, I'm not talking about being used by people. I'm not talking about, and sometimes you will be used by people, but I, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about putting yourself in a position where you can be abused. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying become codependent with someone, but I am saying that we need to understand that when we live a life of loving others, which means to lay our life down, the Bible defines and describes love as that selfless consent consideration of other people that's what it is it's, it, it means I will defer to you I'll put you before I'll think about me that's what love is I know in our culture we've got that backwards I think of me before I think about you and that's love that's not love that's not biblical love and Jesus showed us what love is there is no greater love than this than a man would lay his life down for his friends so this habit of personal sacrifice this habit of saying I will make sacrifices to benefit other people. Listen, I'm going to tell you when I live my life like this, and I'm not good at it all time, but I try to live my life this way. And I'm telling you when I really am on with this, I love life so much more because I'm just free. I'm not struggling with this feeling of will I or won't I? Should I or shouldn't I? I'm just like, yes, I will help. Yes, I will do it. Yes, I will be a part. Yes, I will serve. Yes, I will care. Yes, I will see this. Yes, I will understand. Yes, I will seek to help. Man, when you don't struggle with that and think, you know, I think sometimes we fill our lives up so much with so many voices and so many things that we don't even have, we don't even think we have the, the, the space to even do this. And, and I, I'm telling you, this is where loving life comes in right here when you learn the habit of personal sacrifice. Number four, be compassionate and humble. Feel deeply about others and think of yourself less. <laughs> be compassionate Jesus taught us this so many times the Bible said he was moved with compassion and when you translate the word compassion uh, I won't even try to say it to you because it's a crazy word but but uh, it means compassion the, in, in the New Testament that Greek word it means to feel from deep within your gut and, and, and the Bible shows us many times when Jesus did a miracle or Jesus helped someone, he was moved with compassion. In other words, he, was, he couldn't not do it. He, he felt so deeply about the situation that it pushed him to move. It pushed him to act. And he wasn't going to just watch it go by. And, you know, we need to be compassionate and humble. That's when you start loving life. I, I love C.S. Lewis' definition of humility. He says, he says, humility isn't thinking less of yourself but it's thinking of yourself less and that's really the truth that that is really true if we could just get our minds off of ourselves all the time it would it would cause us to love life more we can really get into a place where our focus is so much on us that we don't love life because we are we don't love ourselves and the reason we don't love ourselves is because we're only focused on ourselves we're not using our life to be significantly impacting to others, but we're using our life to self 
help ourselves all the time and encourage ourselves and it's all about us and it's all about listen that that life is for the birds man i'm telling you it, 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 it just it, humans just don't do well i don't know how else to say it when we focus only on ourselves, we're just not built to do that now our flesh our carnality our sinfulness makes us want to do that but that's not how God created us. And that's why we want to care for other people. That's why we want to love other people. We've got to get our focus on ourselves. Be compassionate towards others and think less. Think of yourself less. And, and, and here's what I find. I find that happens in the discomfort of discipleship. Listen, all discipleship is is relationship. That's all it is. I know we try to make discipleship a program, and we try to make discipleship a way of being, and we try to make a disciple, and we use the word discipleship to mean all kinds of different things. Here's basically what it is. What Jesus did with the disciples, that's discipleship. And what he did with them is he had relationship with them in order for them to grow spiritually. In other words, he didn't just try to get them to make a decision to follow Christ, but he did life with them. So when you ask somebody to come to church or you win them to the Lord, your responsibility beyond that is, is not over. It now is build that relationship, set, take them to summit next and set with them in that growth track and, and be a part of that with them. Uh, uh, you know, get in a small group and bring them along with you, set with them at church, have a coffee with them during the week and talk over scriptures and Bible. Listen, I'm telling you that building that relationship that, that, that takes people towards, um, spiritual maturity. That's what discipleship is and we need to be having that done in our lives and we need to be doing that with someone else in our lives matter of fact that is a responsibility for every believer whether you realize that or not it's true i hope you're doing that but here's what i've learned i've learned that when you do that there's discomfort in it because it's inconvenient because it requires more of your time because you have to put more effort in because sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do you know how many times you know how many miles i've ran discipling somebody just going to run with them you know how many times i really didn't want to go fishing but i sat on a boat with somebody because i was trying to disciple them you know how many times i went to games that i really didn't like and it wasn't really my sport that i follow but i did it because i was discipling somebody you know how many times i went to eat at restaurants i don't even really like because i'm just trying to minister to somebody listen the discomfort of discipleship really comes out and it really makes us free and it really makes us love life because every time you are compassionate deeply compassionate towards someone else and every time you are humble you think less of yourself what happens is it allows you to lead people into a place and i want to tell you something you will really start loving life when you lead others to a place of spiritual maturity you will really start loving life and this adventure of faith that we live when when man your life truly impacted listen your life truly impacted someone not just physically not just emotionally not just relationally but eternally and when we do that and our life impacts someone eternally there is nothing like it you really want to start loving life start impacting people eternally i'm telling you it'll make you it'll make your life It'll revolutionize your life. You feeling sad today? You feeling defeated today? You feeling like the world is treating you horrible? You feel like you're beaten? You feel like you're over? Let, let me tell you something. Here's what you do. Don't go home and sit on your couch and Netflix. Don't, 
Don't go cry tears to somebody. You can do that if you need to. Somebody will be there to listen. But here's the truth. You know what you need to do? You need to find somebody else to pour your life into and make an eternal impact. And when you do that, you're going to start seeing your perspective change. You will change because God will change you as you are helping someone else change. Number five, be a blessing to those who've cursed you. (laughs) I I giggle because this is a hard one. I mean, this is just hard. There's no way around it. But I'm going to tell you, you want to really love life? Learn this. I'm not kidding you. If you want to love life, learn this. This this is what Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. But but let's talk about what this means. Now, Number five, be a blessing to those who have cursed you. So this doesn't mean tolerate those who've done mean things to you. That's not what it means. And again, we, you know, we understand that you can forgive somebody. You may not ever be best buddies with them again. You may not be able to trust them still. You may not be able to because they're not trustworthy people, but you can still forgive them and not hold that against them anymore. But here's the way God says that that works best. And here's the way you're going to learn to love life. Actively bless someone who has actively hurt you. You don't have to be friends with them necessarily because it may not, life may not allow you that context. But here's what could happen. You could do something that would benefit their lives. And I'm telling you, when I learned this, there was a man years and years and years ago in a, in a pastorate when I was pastoring, and, and he was bad, man. He, he, he did some horrible things to me. I can't even describe the pain and the hurt and the disgust that I felt. He was supposed to be a, a leader in my life. He was supposed to be someone who was helpful to me, support me, undergird the vision of the house. He was one of the leaders in the house. And man, he went sideways. And he started going to people's houses and telling them lies about me. He started trying to encourage people to leave the church and get away from me. And I'm a bad person. All because he didn't get what he wanted. Uh, and I don't even remember what that was, but it was a horrible situation. I remember my heart was broken. I remember I cried tears over it. I remember I was angry over it. I remember getting mad and frustrated and not knowing what to do. And I remember uh, feeling hurt that people would believe the things that he was saying. They knew my life. They knew that wasn't me, but they believed it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there? And after it was all over, he left and he went somewhere else and I remember I was praying one day and the Lord spoke to me and he said, I want you to call him and I want you to tell him that in that situation, you didn't handle everything right and you want, you to know, you want him to know you're sorry and you just want to bless his life and his family. <laughs> and I'm just going to tell you right now, I said, absolutely not, God, I'm not doing that. I am not calling him and I'm not telling him I'm sorry. I wasn't wrong. He was wrong. And the Lord spoke to me and said, yes, he was wrong. You were right, but you didn't handle it right. So you pick that phone up and you call him. And I was like, I'm not calling him. And I mean, we had this little spiritual moment where God was saying, you will call him. And I was saying, no, I will not call him. And it, I mean, that's how I felt. And then finally, I just had this sense of if I'll surrender, something great could happen here. And so when I called him, I, I, I totally expected him to pick up the phone and curse me out. I mean, that's what I expected. I expected he was going to yell at me and scream at me. And uh, I, ju- I just called him. And I said, hey, this is David. I just want you to know that I, I, I'm, I'm sorry if there was anything I didn't handle right and I apologize and I was wrong in some ways. I just want you to know I love your family. I'm not upset with you and, um, and I just want to bless you. And uh, I'm going to tell you something. It got totally silent on that phone and I was just breathing heavy and I was like, oh, what's about to happen? And he began to share with me that he was sorry and he didn't mean to do all the things that he did and that he was very wrong. And he, 
he was he he know he called he knows he caused me pain and all of this and it was just this wonderful moment and i'm telling you when i got off that phone i felt like thousands of pounds had lifted off my life all because i was willing to just go you know what i'm not going to curse you back all the hurt and pain that you caused me i'm not going to put it back on you i'm just going to bless you i'm going to tell you you can take these acts of obedience by the holy spirit and and do those and i'm telling you you are creating an atmosphere in your life that causes you to love life and enjoy life and get over it. Listen, it's so silly. I was talking to my elderly grandfather who, who several years ago, and he was homebound, and, and he said, he told me, he said, David, I look back on my life, and there were some real conflicted issues in my life, and I remember running for them or not handling them right. And he said, I look back on them. And I want, I want to give you this wisdom, he said, Dave. Listen, I look back on them and I see how small they really were. And I look back from, from where I'm at now and I look back into my past and I see I could have responded so differently. I could have handled that so differently. I created more heartache and hurt by the way I responded. And I'm just telling you, if you want to love life, if you want that create, creative atmosphere around you that causes you to just enjoy your life and enjoy people and love life, when some people that are bad and do bad things hurt you horrendously, just bless them. And it may be a situation where the only blessing you can do is pray for them. Well, then pray for them. And don't pray what you want for their life. Just pray, God bless them. God touch them. God minister to their heart. God give them love. God show them who you really are. And I'm telling you, if that's all you can do, that's the best thing you could do. But let's start living that life of blessing those who've cursed us. Number six, don't lie. <laughs> don't lie. Just stop lying don't allow lying in your life in your house or around you we live in such a deceptive and deceiving world right now where people are calling the truth a lie and the lie a truth it's ridiculous they're talking calling good things bad and bad things good we all know it the the bible told us it was going to happen it is happening right now and we need to understand that but we need to not ever be a part of it there is more weight placed on our life through the misuse of our tongue most people I know who hate life either talk too much, they gossip constantly, or they lie impetuously and perpetually. I'm telling you, that's just the way it is. I was reading something as I was studying this. It says, to be or not to be married. It was this, it was, it was this story about this guy who had gone to work and all his co-workers were talking about being married. Are you married? Are you married? And he said, for some reason, I don't even know why, I, I said, I told a girl I was married. And he said, I was never married. He said, it got so out of hand that I actually bought a fake wedding ring. And the whole hospital that he worked at thinks he's a husband. He said, I've had friends literally call pretending they were my wife. He said, it's so crazy out of hand now that I think if it was found out, I would actually lose my job. And, and you know, I, I, it's a funny story, but how many times do we do that in our life? You know, my dad used to tell me, listen, don't lie. He said, if you, if, you, if you don't lie, you don't have to remember what you said because you're living your life by the truth. You don't have to have that heavy weight of, are they going to find out? Are they going to know? It, we literally create a suppressive and oppressive life for ourselves when we are not truthful, when we are, when we are deceitful, when we're manipulative, or when we gossip or when we use our tongues out of turn. Listen, don't do it. You remember the boy who cried wolf, right? Come on. So number seven, and this is the last one, pursue peace. 
actively pursue peace, aggressively run after peace. Bring peace with you wherever you go. You know, I know that in a lot of ways we're all, we're all uh, loaded for a fight. We're all equipped for a fight nowadays. Ideologically, culturally, there's so much going on that we're all ready to tell our version and say our opinion. And, and I just want to encourage you, it's, there's nothing wrong with having your opinion. There's nothing wrong with speaking the truth. But let's just remember, God told us to speak the truth in love. Carry peace wherever you go. You remember when the when Jesus sent them out the seventies, the seventy disciples. He sent them out and he said, "Go into a house and leave your peace there." That's how we should be. We should go into situations and bring peace with us and leave peace when we go. When people come around us, they shouldn't they shouldn't they shouldn't be affected by all this tumult and 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 uh, you know aggression and overwrought. But they should feel, sense, and experience peace. Now, peace is not some fake emotion. Peace is that, that calm assurance from the inside out. That internal conflict is over. You're not going back and forth. You are singularly focused and committed to Christ. And it comes out in your life, in your thinking, and in your, in your verbiage. So I just want to encourage you. Pursue peace. Pursue peace. And you will love life. You know, these behaviors, these principles, which all are an extension of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. They create a culture, if you will, around your life that is lighthearted. It's, it's easy and peaceful. It's a loving life culture. It's an I'm not carrying a bunch of baggage culture. It's a meaningful, purposeful way of living. It's loving life. And I want to encourage you to, to do all of these things. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word today. And we pray that, Lord, you'll just create this atmosphere in us. Create the strength in us to do this. Create the power in us to do this so that, so that we can love life. And the love we have for life will influence other people to make a difference in their life, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, if you're, if you're on church online today, I want to just take this opportunity, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, to give you that opportunity to know him. You know, it's not enough to know about Jesus. You must know Jesus. You know, here at Summit Church, we're leading people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. That first part, knowing God, it's very important. You know, we can't be religious and expect to get into heaven. We can't, we can't know about God and expect our life to change. But our life is truly changed and regenerated when we turn from our ways and turn to His ways and commit ourselves to follow Him. And then He does something powerful on the inside of us. So today, if you don't know Him, if you don't have a relationship with Him, if you've never asked Him to come in your life and committed your life to follow Him, today's the day. I'm saying to you, today is the day. And if you sense in your heart that the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, make that decision decision today. Don't hesitate. Don't wait because God wants to do something great with your life. Just stop putting it on pause. Stop acting like you can wait. Just do what God wants you to do. And I'm telling you, the love for life is coming when you meet Jesus. And so I encourage you to do that. Maybe you're a person who needs to rededicate their life today. You know, you've, you've followed Christ before, but you know you're not now. And, and you know you're not right with him. Well, well, we, well, you can come back to him always. His arms are open to you. You haven't gone too far. You can come back. And I want to encourage you to do that.
So let's pray today. And, and if you're a person who's making that decision, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray with me, but then I want you to text that number on your screen and some, some people will tell you what to do next. And I want to make sure you take that next step, okay? But let's pray the prayer together. Just pray this after me. Father God, I ask you to come into my life. I commit to you right now. I want to turn from my ways. I want to turn towards your ways. I commit to follow you. Jesus, you are the Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose again from the dead. And I accept your grace and I accept your love. And I commit to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.